At this time, we're going to go ahead and transition into uh, time in the Word, as I just share briefly here, um, uh, just just a, a devotional in just encouraging our, our students and their next steps, but also us. Uh, and so as we get into this time in the Word, I couldn't help but thinking, I know it's a little too early to be thinking about Christmas and whatnot, you know? Uh, see? And then some of y'all say it's never too early, Right? Uh, and then there's that Christmas in July thing, which I still don't understand in all my years in the U.S. Um, so y'all would have to help me out with that. But for many of you, like you said, you know, you are like my son, Malachi, where Christmas is all day, every day. It's whenever he wants it. So, so just this last week, it's like, Daddy, when is Christmas coming? Because I want lots of presents. It's like, okay, parents, teachable moment here. This is where you get to speak into your kids' lives. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, buddy, Christmas is not coming until December. But what is Christmas about? God, Jesus. Typically, he, t- he, he gets the whole Trinity in there, but he, he didn't quite get to the Holy Spirit this time. His Trinitarian theology is usually on point, but, but he missed that. And so in this conversation with my three-year-old, and as, as I was thinking about this week, uh, I couldn't help but think about what is the greatest gift that you and I will ever receive. What is the greatest gift? Right? Typically we wait till Christmas to talk about that. But we can talk about that today, here and now. What is the greatest gift? There is but one. Right? There is but one. Jesus himself. And so this morning, I just want to encourage us with that and remind us of that. Out of a classic scripture, very familiar to Christianity. If you've been a Christian for a little while, we're going to be going ahead and looking at Ephesians Um, chapter 2. And so, while we receive and give many gifts at Christmas and at holidays and at random times, in Christ Jesus, those who've trusted in him, we have received the greatest gift, that is God himself. It's important for us to remember, it's important for you graduates to remember, especially in times of transition in your life, when you begin to go through transition and various changes in your life, And this is a major transition. I don't know if you realize that, graduates, right? This is a major transition and change for you. It's so important, right? Because there are going to be real changes in this time of your life that impact the rest of your life. As you transition into young adulthood, you will have opportunities to grow in your knowledge and understanding through your education or the pursuit of your degree. Um, or area of study, which eventually will lead you to a career. You may also start a job right away that becomes a career or work for you. You may form new friendships or even significant relationships in this time of your life. All right? And so while it is easy to allow education and achievement, right, and even job and career, and even relationships to define our worth and our identity, I want to remind us this morning, and I want to remind you graduates this morning, that your worth and value and identity is not in these things, but it's in Jesus Christ himself, and it's in Christ alone, okay? And nothing can take that away or change that. So would you join me here as we look at the greatest gift that we received in Jesus Christ out of Ephesians? I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. It'll be up there for you as well. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Would you join me quickly in prayer? Father, we thank you for just this time in your word. We thank you for being able to receive your word anew. God, just speak to our hearts. Lord, speak through me. You speak, God. Your people, they're here to hear from you. Um, yeah, and so God, would you declare yourself in this word? Would you speak to hearts? Would you speak to minds and draw and affirm and confirm just your work, your truth, and your identity in the hearts of each person here that has trusted in you, and even drawing those that have not trusted in you to trust in you anew. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, real quick, kind of going real fast here through the verses because of our time. So, in the first three verses, Paul reminds us of our condition. Who are we apart from Christ? What was our life like? And it's very much very general as Paul talks about. He doesn't get into specifics. But some things that we want to pay attention to that are real here. Paul starts off. He said, yo, you were dead in your sins. We were dead in your sins. You and I, apart from Christ, are dead in our sins. Okay. Dead means dead, you guys. You can't get more dead than dead. All right. Not just staring death in the face, not nearly dead, not walking dead, all right? Spoiler alert, if you're into that kind of thing, okay? No, dead means dead. And really, in reality, when we're talking about death, here's the real reality. What can a dead person do for themselves? This is the emphasis here. Nada, right? Not a thing. We're dead. Can do nothing of our own, no power, no life, nothing to do it. So we have a great need. And so that's the first thing. He goes on to say, and we were living according to the ways of this world. That means there's a way different for us to live in Christ Jesus, but we weren't living according to that. We do not live according to that. We live according to the flesh. We live according to the world, living for ourselves, serving ourselves, serving a ruler different than God, the prince of the air, the prince of this world, or Satan, or whatever name you like to put on that. And ultimately, living for ourselves, doing things a certain way, because we like our way. Our way is the best way. Our way is the right way. Our way is the only way to do it. That's what our inclination, that's what we're bent on. And as, if, as that's not enough, he goes on to say, and, and ultimately, we carry our desires and whatever we think, try to put it to work, no matter how it affects or who it affects. We are by nature, Paul says, children of wrath. Ouch. Right. Some of y'all are like, not me. 
I don't know about that children of wrath stuff, but I know some people. Right? It's easy for us to think of that that's as someone else or other people. But that's us. That's each of us. Right? Children of wrath, not of God. Apart from Jesus, we are bent on self-destruction and destruction of others in our own hearts and our own ways. And so we can hear these verses. What comes to mind when you hear these things? You're dead and walking according to flesh. You're a child of wrath. What comes to mind? What do you think? It's bad news. That's terrible. That's horrible. What hope is there? Right? There can be that feeling. And if that feeling's not there, then we got to check our hearts, you guys. Because this is the reality of us apart from God. And so we're callous from that to not recognize our own need. It's like, whoa, that's me. Right? There can be no salvation. There can be no being made right with God if we do not recognize ultimately our need in him. And so what hope do we have? Paul gets into that as he gets into verse 4 then. He says, but God. But God. So who then do we We have a need. It's a who do we need and a what do we need. So who do we need? God is the one that we need. What do we need? Mercy. And later on, Paul goes on to talk about grace as well. God who is rich in mercy. It's who we need. If we are dead people, if we are living according to the flesh and according to our own ways, following rulers, powers that are not God, and if we are children of wrath bound to destruction, we need God and we need mercy. Paul says God is rich in mercy. Typically when we talk about richness, right, the emphasis is on what? Yeah, wealth and money. How many of us ever praise someone, right, for their richness of love or their richness in generosity or their richness in anything else but, right, our world defined by this. This is what it means to be rich. Paul says, but God, this is who you're dealing with, the one who's rich in mercy, the one who will not give you what you deserve for your sins. And that mercy never runs out. That mercy never runs out. You see, I'm a human. You're going to do wrong to me, right? If you, maybe you can do that once, you know, maybe twice, maybe three times, maybe four times. How long will it take, right? Before, I'm just like, and, and, and maybe I can let it go those first few times, Right? Maybe I can let it go those first few times. But ultimately, I have a breaking point. I have an end point in probably the mercy that I'm able to give. I'm insufficient. You and I are. But God is not. That's who you're dealing with. You're not just dealing with me. His mercy never runs out. The richness of his mercy and his grace is immeasurable. We cannot put a number to it. And so we do need the mercy and the grace of God. What is the motive? Why would God, who's rich in mercy and rich in grace, because of his great love for us? Right? Do you know that God greatly loves you? 
because of who you are. That doesn't depend on you. It depends on him. His great love for you. His great love for me. Goes on to say, so God who's rich in mercy because of his great love for you and me. What does he go on and do for us? He has made you and I alive in Christ. He has given us new life. Okay. If you're dead, what's the solution? What do you need? Okay, y'all must not need life. Come on now. Dead, life. There's no in between, right? We already talked about the walking dead. It isn't there. You're either dead or you're alive. Okay? So God has made us alive in Christ through Jesus, through the work of Jesus on the cross. Only he can take us from death to life because a dead person can do nothing for themselves. We needed God who's rich in mercy because of his great love to make us, you and me, alive. You are saved by grace. He saves us. He gives us new life. He changes us, transforms us into people that love him and love each other. Not because we're deserving of it, but because he wanted to and because he can. And he's the only one who can. That's this whole grace thing. And again, that grace is immeasurable. It never runs out. Okay? You and me will fall short of that. But God is never short of that. It never runs empty. And then it goes on to continue talking about who we are. You're raised up and seated on high with Christ. This is being having that eternal life, as some of the students talked about, with him, seated on his throne, ruling with him in heavenly places. This is a new marker of change of what has come into your life when you've trusted in Jesus and realized your need for him. You are, we're saved because we've trusted in him. We're saved because of faith, not by works, not by anything you can do. There's nothing you can do or give, right? Because if you can, then we can boast. Like, man, I gave this much, or I did this much for God, so I deserve to be saved. God, you should save me because I'm a good person. I did this, that, and the other. I'm doing this thing. Or I'm going to go on to college and, and achieve this and do that and do this for you. No, no, it's not on none of that. It's on God and God alone. And your way alone is to just trust and believe and ultimately receive that gift. You cannot earn it or deserve it, but God alone gives it. It is a gift, right? What makes a gift a gift, you guys? It's free. There's no conditions, no expectations to have to give it back, to do something to get it. Okay. Again, in our humanness, sometimes our motives is wrong for giving the gifts that we give, but God is not like us. Can anybody say amen for that? Amen. His motive is pure, it's true, it's real in the gifts that he gives. Right? And he doesn't withhold, you guys. We withhold the best for ourselves, don't we not? But has God withheld the best of himself? No. The best is him. It's God himself. And he came in Jesus and gave himself for us, for you and me. We got to understand the greatest gift that we can receive that we have in Christ Jesus. It's a gift beyond any gift. Our job, our response. There is a response, right? We don't just sit here, gift in front of you. 
You got to receive the gift, take the gift, open it, receive it, take it onto yourself. There is no condition. In other places in Romans, Paul said, right, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, the gift of God. And here, too, in Ephesians, Paul says, this is the gift of God, salvation in who Christ is. At your grad parties, or even today, or whatever, as you're going through the week here, you graduates, you'll receive gifts. But those gifts will run out, right? You'll use them, they'll be done, you throw them away, or whatever it is, they'll run out. But this one gift that you already have, if you've trusted in Jesus, that never will. And if you haven't received it yet, you can receive this very gift. In closing out the passage, Paul tells us that we are God's handy work to do good works. Okay, So we've been given a great gift that is God himself. He's changed and shifted our lives. For what? For what purpose? What is the purpose that God would save us, transform us, make us new, change us? Right, so that we would do good works. Meaning, not just do stuff, but ultimately, the good work is sharing him, making him known. If we know him, we want to make him known. The purpose of receiving Jesus is that you may give to others and show him to them. Right? Do we know this? Do we believe this? Do we understand this? Graduates, you will have professors and classmates, right? Whatever school you go to, who Jesus wants to show himself to through you. Do you believe that? Right? Because that's the truth. That's reality. What is going to be the priority of your life? You have an opportunity to give out of what you've been given. You needed Jesus, didn't you? So do your professors. So do your classmates. So do your new friends that you're going to make on your college campus. If we believe this is the greatest gift, and we've received it to ourselves, how can we not want others to have it or give it to others? You have an opportunity as you now transition, right? You are here. God is using you. Now you get to, there's opportunities on your campus. If you're working, if you're going to start working right away, right, you have an opportunity to share and utilize the gift of Christ in you with your coworkers. They need Jesus, do they not? Do they not? Yep. yep. They need Jesus. Your boss and your new job, your coworkers, they need Jesus. And the way that Jesus wants to show himself to them is through you. Do you believe that? Oftentimes we look at ourselves, feel inadequate, like I can't do nothing. Well, it's not you. It's him. Are you still trusting in you or are you trusting in him? Who's come in your life, if he's really come into your life. If you pursue relationships with new friends or even significant relationship, ultimately what God wants to do and show this person is himself through you. Listen, if we are giving out of who we are, 
out of what we got, apart from Christ, we will run empty. Do we understand that? You have a limit. God does not. When you come to Jesus, you have the choice to draw from God himself and the gifts that he's given you in him, or you can keep drawing from yourself and giving out of yourself and run on empty. And so if we believe, if we believe and trust, right, that we have received the greatest gift, that is God himself, how can we not give of that and share that with others? That is what God has made us for. That is what he's called us to. No matter if you're a student, no matter what stage of life you're in. But I think we want to be remembering those gifts when we're transitioning into different places. Again, that our worth and our identity comes from who God is. You can only give what you have. Have you received the gift of God that is salvation in Jesus? It's easy to say that I'll receive him tomorrow. I'll come to know him tomorrow, right? We always do that in our minds, in our hearts, by our actions. Maybe tomorrow I'll trust in Jesus. Maybe tomorrow I'll come to know Jesus. What if tomorrow never comes? Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I was reminded of that here um, just yesterday, uh, as my dad calls me and tells me that uh, one of my cousins was tragically killed in the cities in a car accident. So probably a guy in his early 20s. Yeah, he was here in Worthington with his girlfriend. They left to go up to the cities, and he lost his life. It's sobering, you guys. That we're still here and have breath to breathe. This is God's calling to us to receive him and make him known to others. Right? And so we ought to make that priority. We ought to make that the most important things in our lives. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as we, as we end here. So what we're going to do, I'm going to have, I'm going to have everyone stand up. And so, as we end, we've been talking about receiving a gift, okay? So, I'm going to have you hold out your hands like this in a posture of receiving. Listen, friends, we can. Have you ever received a gift with your arms folded? It don't work. You can't receive a gift with your hands in your pocket. It don't work. You got to open your hands and grab what is being given to you. This is a physical way of saying, right? This is not the, the objective itself. No, it's not that God does a special thing because you held out your hands. But we're saying with our physical bodies, what is actually going on in our hearts. And so if you receive this gift of salvation already, then this is a moment to thank God for that and be reminded of that. What a gift I have in Jesus and that's enough. And if you're in this place and you have not received Jesus yet, come on, what you waiting for? What you waiting for? It's a free gift. He paid the price. He gave all the things. He did all the things necessary. It doesn't depend on you. You can never be good enough if you're waiting to be good enough. Receive God now. 
and let him be the one to lead you for you graduates into your next stage of life. For everyone else, wherever you're at, in the seasons of raising your family, new work transitions, God at work, we have to remind ourselves of the gospel, the good news that have been made available to us through Jesus each and every day. I need that. I need Jesus. Does anybody need Jesus? We need Jesus. Let's receive him. And so I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift that is Jesus. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for just giving it in freedom because of your mercy. Well, out of your rich, immeasurable mercy and grace because of your great love for us. God, I thank you for each person here that has received this gift, God, and may they know that their worth and identity is in you and in you alone, Jesus. It's in you and in you alone, Jesus. For anybody here, if you've never received Jesus, if you're willing, pray this prayer with me. And the prayer is not what saves you. He's the one that saves you. But just declaring, God, you are God. I am not. I have sinned. But God, you, I believe, you forgive my sins because of your rich mercy and grace. Jesus, come into my life and take over my life. Be Lord of my life. Be my salvation. Be the very reason that I live. Thank you, Lord, for how you met us in this place right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.